In this episode, I speak to the power duo behind Gar. Brianna and Matt have, in my opinion, Australia's most transparent label. Listen in to find out why transparency is so important to them, as well as some advice for future brand owners. Enjoy the pod. So tell us a bit about yourselves and what prompted you guys to launch Gal. Uh, I'll start. Uh, yeah, so uh, my background actually wasn't in design or anything like that. I um, actually came from uh, technology consulting. So um, I guess the way I approached Gal was really from a consumer perspective I was um, working right really close to a big shopping center and um, I and I, I became quite aware um, I guess seeing a lot of sales cycles and things like that um, I became quite aware of the fashion industry and and I think um, really fascinated with how it worked but then um, I guess as I looked into it more I, you know a lot of the ethical issues um, around fashion and I, I, I guess I just became really really interested in it and then um, okay how it yeah sort of would um uh, how i could then find clothes that would be um fashionable um like within my taste but also um um, ethical and sustainable okay awesome and in the past you a bit of a i don't want to say fast fashion addict but did you double in brands that maybe didn't align with your values as much as they do now uh, I feel like I started not that way and yeah. then working really close to the shopping center, I just got really sucked into sales for a while and okay. I realized I ended up with so many clothes in my closet that I couldn't fit anymore in. And I, I think that's when I realized that I needed to really look at what I was buying and where it was coming from. Okay, fascinating. Fascinating. In yourself, Matthew, can you please share your story? Well, look, I think just like Brianna, I, I, even less so to be honest. I mean, I've never found myself to be much of a, a fashion kind of uh, a person. I mean, I was very much into the fast fashion when I was younger. Um, you know, I think, I think it's more about the awareness of it. Um, I was just never aware of the impact that the, the fashion industry had yeah. on, on our environment. And once you open your eyes to that kind of stuff, you kind of can't ignore it. Um, so when obviously Brianna started down that path and she obviously made me aware of it all, yeah. it was kind of a bit, a bit addictive. And I, 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 at first I didn't think I'd get, uh, so into it I was there to support Brianna but the more we got into it the more I, I just became a, a partner to it and now we see ourselves both running the business oh, that's awesome you almost felt compelled to make those positive changes in your life yeah yeah, yeah. definitely that's it. and sort of bringing it back to Gala a bit more now um, what sort of prompted you guys to go down that specific niche uh, I think I think it was a, a number of things I I didn't know for a while I guess with all the knowledge that I was kind of requiring, you know, I went from shopping on my lunch break at this big shopping center to walking around with earphones, listening to books and podcasts about ethical and sustainable fashion. Um, So I um, I really didn't know what my place in it was going to be. I knew I wanted to do something. Um, It, yeah, I, I think I, I did start, I, I think it really came from, again, like a consumer point of view, really not finding it, um, some, uh, really not finding clothes in the styles that I was really looking for that had, um, that went beyond basics, had a lot of, had a lot of color, but it were also, um, you know, ethically um, manufactured and yep. uh, sustainably made. So really kind of trying to bring all of those elements together. I think it was just more of, yeah, con- more of a consumer need than a, um, than anything else. Yeah. Awesome. And I think a lot of the best businesses in the world tend to come from scratching your own niche. And it sounds like you guys have done that in your own creative way. And I'm sure it'll be just as successful. Um, now, just going to go a bit more narrow into Gal. Now, one of the things I really like about it is the depth of your transparency. And, and I really do think it's commendable. 
can you please share with us the details that you share in the product descriptions and why that's important to you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think when we first started talking about Gal, we we were almost hesitant to be really, really upfront about how sustainable we were. I think we wanted the, you know, to lead with the clothes, but I think the more that we tried to build our, um, you know, tried to design and um, find, you know, source materials and things like that that were um, sustainably made, we realised how difficult it actually is and that um, you have to ask a lot of questions of people to find out whether things are, I guess, the most sustainable they can possibly be yeah. um, or the most ethically made they can possibly be. Um, and we, what we did find is when people were doing, I guess, you know, the right thing yep. for lack of a better word yeah. um they were really shouting it from the rooftops because it is so because the norm and like the, the status quo is really um is you know not doing not uh, you know not really looking into this stuff yep. so i think for us having um knowing that it is really difficult to firstly find that yep. information for um for brands um that's why we wanted to put it on our website we wanted to not just tell our customers trust us we're sustainable trust yeah. us we're ethical but really show them yeah as well yeah awesome and i don't know if matthew you want to touch on any further but like well, I, I really love reading your price description and just sort of the the exact details you guys go into and i don't know if you want to discuss more about that brand or if matthew if you want to go into that a bit more just the specifics of the transparency that you guys show in your product descriptions yeah well i mean like brianna said we had a lot of conversations early on about how we want to approach the transparency side and there's yeah. a lot of other great brands out there who do it at various levels yep. and the way we saw it is if we were going to be you know promoting transparency promoting sustainability then if we don't set that example and and show that we really have nothing to hide even yep. if it is detrimental to our business i mean we we have had people kind of say oh but you know anyone can copy your your design your your clothes now yep. or something. but we we don't see that as our our value proposition, you know, just yep. the materials we use, we like to think there's more than that. So yep. the way we saw it is we need to lead by example and, and we, we don't have anything to hide and we want it yeah. to be very clear. Yeah. And I think it keeps us accountable as well. I, you know, every time designing something new, I'll always come up against new design challenges yep. and I'll have to find, you know, I, I, when I was designing a blazer, I had to find biodegradable shoulder pads and I had never found, like I found out that most of them have some kind of, um, polyester component to them okay. usually and you know I, I was so much I was like oh maybe they can just take out the shoulder pads or something like that yeah. and I'm like no I'm going to be putting this on the website I want to be proud of where yeah. I source things from and I think it, it just keeps me really accountable that I know at the end of the day everyone's going to be able to everyone's going to be able to see um what's there and I want to be really proud of that um what goes into um, every single girl item and it's it's not it wasn't an easy process there were a lot of frustrating times For when sure. we spend weeks on the phone or by email with suppliers and we'd get led down a rabbit hole and end up basically stonewalled at a point where we couldn't find out specifically where the original fibers came from and yeah. you know on the surface on the original you know supplier website it all looks great and they talk about how transparent and sustainable they are but if you try and follow that down down the hole it, it it leads you into places you can't really find out the information you want okay that's awesome it's, it's so you you're so just as transparent to your suppliers as you are now to your customers yeah and we make yeah. it very clear when we do work with suppliers and we you know a bulk ordering product from them that we will be transparent with any information they provide to us and that's yep. why we ask these questions we we always lead before we even go down the process of getting a, a quote or anything. We always lead with, you know, we need to know 
X, Y, and Z. We we want to know everything about these this yeah. fiber and this fabric, and we need to know exactly where and and who makes it. Yeah. yeah, and sometimes they are a bit taken aback by how many questions we ask. Yeah. I think sometimes yeah. you've got to go to them three times before you get the real answer. That you'll be like, "Is this you know ethical and sustainable?" And then okay. they'll say yes, and then you'll ask a few follow up questions that are a bit more specific, and then eventually you'll kind of realize, "Oh, actually, I think we need to." find something else <laughs> yeah nah, that's fantastic and i'd just like to clarify for those listening that the type of details are having their product descriptions they've also got the design which is by them they talk about the patterns the gradings the cutting and making even the material they talk about um the threads come from you know the whole or forbitex in netherlands the main label comes from britannia packaging in the uk the care and size labels can come from gang apparel australia so um yeah i just i just think that's amazing look i don't think every brand is ever going to be doing this i think Unfortunately, you guys will be in the minority, but I think it's a, really, a great standard you guys are setting and hopefully more brands can maybe not be 100% sustainable, but we'll start maybe showing 10% and 15 and 25 and maybe get them closer to 40 to 50% because like you guys are saying, you guys have got nothing to hide, so you're happy to share everything. And um, I, I like to think it's not being that detrimental to the business because you guys obviously got a lot more special qualities. But yeah, I just wanted to clarify the exact specifics you guys go into. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, you, and just to be clear, our supply, you know, our supplies and our materials are not perfect. You know, yeah. totally lots of room for improvement. There's things that decisions we have, to, you know, sometimes have to make where it's the best that we can get or yeah. um, that is accessible to us. Uh, we do our, we do our absolute best. Um, but regardless of whether it's, you know, we're really, really, really proud of the um, material or we wish it could be better, we'll still put it there. Yeah, yeah, fantastic, fantastic. And I think we've kind of touched on my next question. Um, we're just talking about like sort of why transparency is important to you guys as individuals and also as the brand girl. Um, because as we said, a lot of other brands are ethically made, but a lot of them don't tend to share their supply chain to the extent that you guys do. So I know we've kind of touched on it already, but are there any sort of new points you would like to talk about as to why, you know, this, I don't want to say radical transparency, but maybe radical in the best possible way, how you guys are embracing it in, in this you know, full extent. Why is it so important to you guys and the girl label? Well, look, I mean, Brianna touched on her past experience being a technology consultant and yeah. I have a very similar background as well yeah. coming from the business side. And we've worked in a lot of large organizations and, you know, it, it might sound a, a little bit pessimistic, but, you know, marketing and on the surface for a lot of companies, it's really easy to, to talk about things like sustainability or ethical practices and whatnot. But in the actual practice of those things, it is a little bit more complicated or not quite what you think it is. So it was really important to us that if we did start a company that we weren't, you know, hypocrites that yeah. if we're going to talk about this in our personal life and say how things can be better and the people can be better then we kind of need to do that ourselves. Um, it, it you know, became frustrating at some points because it definitely adds time and complexity to things that we do. And yeah. it is tempting to take those shortcuts as a lot of companies end up doing, but you know, if, if we're going to go back on the reason we started the company at all, then it kind of is all, is all for nothing. Yeah, oh, that, that's really helpful. Did you find that a few, I don't, you don't have to disclose the company, or maybe you've seen other companies have done this, that they market sustainability or, or ethical, uh, being ethically made as more of a marketing token, like a tokenism for marketing, or is that what sort of you're touching upon there? Well, I mean, look, I'm sure you're familiar with greenwashing, George. Yeah. Um, you know, the terms definitely come more into the, the public sphere these days. And I think we do see a lot of big companies using that. Yeah. Um, I guess that happens when anything becomes a trend. Yeah. People sort of take it up. And you know, sustainability has, um, it's obviously really, really important. But I guess as it as it's become really prominent, it's also become a bit of a trend. Like 
and like everything, um, you know, big corporates do tend to um, to grab onto it. And yeah. um, that, you know, that can be good for raising the profile of sustainability. But unfortunately, sometimes it does confuse customers and, um, and, and, I, and whether that's intentional or not, I won't, um, I guess, provide an opinion on that. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I can confuse customers and they see, they see these buzzwords and they think that they're in safe hands, even if they are shopping at a big fast fashion label. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, it, you know, it is, it is challenging. I think for us, we just try to really focus on what we can do, what our role can be, um, and making sure that we're really um, abiding by those values that we've set um, for ourselves uh, and, Hopefully, um, through that, trying to educate our customers as well, um, knowing that there is lots and lots of information out there and misinformation and just trying to be, um, I guess, specific about um, uh, specific about things rather than, t- you know, I think a lot of people um, do um, and companies do talk about these things, as Matt was sort of saying, in really big picture terms, yeah. um, whereas where I guess we're kind of taking that more bottom up, um, <laughs> trying to, uh, you know, detail approach of, um, of uh, every single you know, material of, of what we do and really, um, yeah, trying not to be vague about it, I guess. Yeah, yeah no, that's fantastic, Brianna. I think there's a lot, a lot of great points there and we won't dive into the greenwashing rabbit hole because I think the three of us will be here <laughs> for about two hours. So We could do a whole podcast. Yeah, <laughs> probably a whole series on it. But, uh, we'll have to save that for next time. Um, my next question comes a bit more from a business point of view. You guys both being in that space and, and quite knowledgeable in it, but being a young label, um, what are some of the challenges you guys have faced and how did you overcome them? And I guess the reason why I want to ask this question is for people who are listening who have thought about, you know, starting their own label, have just started their own label, sort of how can they learn from some of your mistakes too? So, yeah, please share some of the details that you're happy to share. Uh, well, look, first of all, I think diving into an industry like fashion, um, coming from a business background uh, is a very different type of industry. Yep. Uh, there are a lot of, guess complexities around how the more creative side of the fashion industry work and things like you know simple things like deadlines and kind of manufacturing processes which at the surface are very kind of um, simple and and you think are going to be easy to navigate um, become a a big issue I guess I mean when you have a, a whole collection planned you're looking at a three to four month timeline and the smallest little delay in a certain fabric or a certain um piece of material um, can cause major delays down the line and obviously we know fashion is very seasonal and that that can cause issues and building in building in uh you know uh, uh leeway for for changes like that in your timeline is something we learned very fast i okay. think we we're a bit ambitious at the start i think we we're a bit overconfident in our not our abilities but more our awareness of how how difficult it could be to stick to deadlines yeah um so i think building building that into your your timelines at the start was um something we learned very quickly yeah i think that's super important because as you guys would know no sort of a lot of the time any sort of goals or timelines tend to go out the window and get delayed and problem here problem there so i guess that that always happens And, and brianna do you have any sort of challenges and and tips to overcome those challenges uh, yeah, I think so for our first collection, I probably went a little bit naive about um, when people would tell me how long things would take. Yeah. Um, and I took everything at face value and sort of planned a little bit of buffer in there. But I think I learned a lot the first time around. I know I learned a lot. And uh, when it came to planning our second collection, I had, I, I just like added, I think two or three weeks onto everything. And I had my 
best worst medium case scenario okay, yeah. for everything i had my we we knew that we had a market at the end of the, um you know in early december and that was our real deadline for getting the collection uh and i guess it's just building in um yeah sometimes and sometimes you have to do things like tell people that you need something slightly earlier than you do um because otherwise you just don't get prioritized because everyone everyone wants everything yesterday so yep. um you just have to you know obviously you have to balance that but um i guess it's just yeah planning is just so important um yeah designing the design part is such a um, is such a small part of it it's everything that comes after that to get to actually realize it as a clothing line um that just takes such meticulous planning and problem solving and and driving all over melbourne uh for me which (laughs) um is always fun i guess the trials and tribulations of a business owner and there's probably going to be many more of those for for years to come a Um, lot less driving this year okay yeah Um, definitely (laughs) definitely well yeah i think we're recording in late late july and it's uh, not the greatest in melbourne at the moment still so (laughs) Yeah, hopefully that, hopefully that changes for the better. Um, and I, know, I might throw you guys a bit on the spot here, but are there any sort of, I guess, funny mistakes that you guys have made or maybe you guys showed a bit of naivety and made a mistake somewhere? Um, any any of those sort of examples, just to sort of humanise the concept of creating a business in that, like, you know, none of us are these super, well, you know, you guys are very intelligent, but like not that, that, that you're not perfect, that you make mistakes. So I know I'm putting you guys on the spot here, but are there any sort of, Maybe trivial oh, we've mistakes. We've made plenty of mistakes. Yeah. Um, we've made plenty of mistakes. I'm not. I'm trying to work out which ones I can see now is funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, so we, we. One of the things I can think of is dealing with exchange rates and oh, okay. transfers. I think a few things that we uh, kind of missed missed the, the the point of it being in a different currency. Oh, we okay. Spent a, a bit more money on some things. Than, yeah. And I think very early on as well, not knowing what things really should cost or how much we should expect to spend. Um, okay. There were definitely some times we overspent on some, <laughs> yeah. some key items. So our, our original budget was uh, fair to say it was pushed out pretty okay. heavily. Yeah, that, that was definitely a thing. I think the other thing that we did were, um, again, coming back to the fact that we were really we have a really high level of scrutiny when it comes to what materials we use. We, uh, we bought... Um, We'd spent so long trying to find labels for yeah. our uh, um, that were going to fit within, you know, the I guess our sustainability criteria f- um, for our collection. We found and we finally found these ones that we thought were perfect, and they were organic cotton. They were perfect. We put the order in. We thought we were done. We were so excited, and then they came back and we figured out, oh, actually, um, the the stitching on the label has polyester thread. And oh, it was okay. on the way. We'd spent, and they weren't—they they were weren't cheap. They weren't they cheap, weren't cheap. <laughs> and, we were, and we were like, "Oh no, we had to reverse course." And um, because, yeah, we're like, we've 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 come so far in trying to find something that's going to live up to our uh, yeah. you know, our like standards, and yeah, that was a bit of a headache. It ended up being okay, but it was one of those yeah scratches. I think I think it was one of the final pieces of the the clothing. Oh, just finalizing really yeah. the labels. Yeah. We were so close, and yeah, it, it's small things like that. It's got another curveball. Followed by some yeah, <laughs> some calls. Yeah, oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. But look, thank thanks for being so honest and yeah, pardon the pun, transparent um, about your your mistakes too, as much as you are with your brands. Um, and then to wrap up, are there any exciting plans for the future with Gar? So look, I mean, it, of all the times to ask that, this is probably the best time because yeah. I think not only during COVID 
obviously is, is throwing a few curveballs everyone's way in the small business world. But yeah. even before that, um, I think now that we've been running for a year um, or just over a year now um, since our launch, we're starting to not so much reevaluate, but evaluate the business and, and based on our performance, do we continue on the current trajectory? Do we stick to the original plans? Do we pivot the business somewhat? Um, do we look for um, outside investors? Are we happy to keep self-funding? These are all questions we're asking ourselves at the moment. Yep. Um, I don't think we have the answers yet. I think there's a lot of good questions and a lot of a lot of things we're thinking of. Yeah, I think with everything slowing down, it gives us a lot of breathing room to kind of have a think about where we uh, what we really want to do. And um, yeah, so uh, nothing concrete at the moment as to um, you know things that are coming up. It's really hard to plan for any big things at the moment definitely. just with all the uncertainty but um it's definitely we're definitely uh thinking and planning a lot um in these times where we are just at home and have um that's all we have to do yeah <laughs> one i think one thing one thing that doesn't change for us is is that we want gal to grow and yeah. we want it to be you know a big brand we want to be not only in australia we want to be overseas we want to be a uh, a leader in the sustainable fashion world so i guess it's just the pathway to get in there is what we need to figure out yeah, no, that's fantastic. And I'm sure you guys will get there in the long in the long run. But what are you guys planning to be internationally? Is that like sort of a two year plan, three year plan, one year, five years? What's the what's the approximate timeline on that? I won't hold you to it. Well, I mean, look, in terms of international, we'd we'd love in the, the two to five year mark. Yeah, you know, uh, it, we we've always thought as, of Gal as as a as a big picture brand. Um, we we started obviously small like any business and where we did markets across Australia and we, we traveled in, interstate. Um, but, you know, the end goal is obviously international. I think, you know, if you look at overseas markets like America, Europe and Asia, we pale in comparison. And in terms of the, the fashion industry, obviously they're, they're world leaders over there. Uh, Australia's like the little brother, I guess. So yeah. that's our ultimate goal. Um, Look, two to five years, yeah. I, I really want to aim for that. I'd love for two years and yeah. we, we'll do everything in our power to to get that done. Um, it's it's our passion at the end of the day and it's it's where we want to be. Yeah, awesome. I'm sure you guys will get there. We'll get there one day. Hopefully it is in you know, two years' time. But um, so, Brown and Matthew, a big, big thank you for your time today and thank you so much for sharing your story. Thanks so much for having us. No worries, guys. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks, Jordan. Thank you so much for listening. It really does mean the world. If you like what you heard, please leave a nice review. And if you have any feedback or want to recommend a guest, and yes, that can include you love yourself, please email me at jordanoutstridestore.com.au.